I'm Casey T, and this is Going Up North, the podcast where I take interesting people out on the ice to try their hand at a family tradition, spearfishing. While we wait the hours it may take for the opportunity to spear northern, we'll shoot the shit, have some laughs, Uh tell our stories, and hopefully go home with one in the bag. This week, my guest is graphic novelist, comic, illustrator, Uh and returning champion from last year, better known by his online handle Trungles, it's Trungly Gwyn. We discuss TV shows, fandom, common cultural touchstones, Christmas music, books, writing, and his upcoming projects, including his absolutely badass flagship tarot deck and his first ever graphic novel, set to debut in 2020. A joy as always, let's check it out. (laughs) This happened the other day and I tried to, I was like, oh, I'll blow in it, that'll defrost it, and it just made it worse. Yeah, because it's just... Yes, adding moisture to it. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't say I thought it through very well. I just said that's what I did. There we go. Put the decoy down. Oh, I forgot about the decoy. He switched it up yesterday. We've had like the same one down all year, and I came out here yesterday, and he had that one down. So, oh. yeah, well, I've been paying a little bit more close attention this year, and I don't think it fucking matters what's down there. Fish just swim through <clears throat> when they want to, and if there's a decoy, there's a decoy. I don't even know if it helps. You were talking about the Golden Girls. Is that on any streaming service? Uh, yeah, it's all on Hulu. Oh, right. nice. <clears throat> Is that one of those shows? I, I, I only ever passingly got into that show, but is that one of those shows where, like, it's old enough where, like, it was just totally fine to say weird racist shit on TV. <laughs> it kind of was. I mean, the Golden Girls was pretty, I think it was pretty progressive for its time. But um, I think, like, so every episode is usually, like, it's very well written, super funny. And every episode there's at least one, like, kind of cringy moment. Like, at least one. And you're just like, oh, oh, the 80s. Right. <clears throat> It's like I rewatched some episodes of Faulty Towers a while back, and like they straight up used the N word. Yes, and it's they like sure whoa, did. whoa, that's just there. Like I don't remember that from the first time I watched this show. Yeah, this was like a lot of casual domestic abuse in that show. <laughs> yes, yes. I didn't realize there was just like a season and a half. I like. I started watching it, I was like, I hate all of these characters, and then at the very beginning of season two, I was like, alright, I'm getting a little attached, and then it ended. Yep. yep. <laughs> In the middle of the second season. <laughs> oh, the BBC. Nice. I, I do like the, I mean, dude is really a master of the, like, I don't even know what you call it, the mistaken identity, or the the weird set pieces where it's like people coming and going and like yeah everyone thinks something like a Coen Brothers movie kind of right like right like just a constant comedy of errors like very yeah at that and John Cleese like the Waldorf salad like argues with that guy for like 20 minutes but he's not gonna make him a Waldorf salad and oh then like God. his wife walks out with one wait the guy from California I was think that so. the one yeah because <laughs> he's like pretending to yell at the chef and there's no one in the kitchen you uh-huh. know like Oh my god, and that the Manuel character. Oh my god. <sighs> what was the episode where the sh- they hire a chef who's like a super boozy drunk and who falls in love with Manuel? Yes. Yes. <laughs> oh my goodness. <clears throat> Poor Manuel. Poor Manuel. So he's just like caught up in Faulty's bullshit. Mm-hmm. And again, constantly being abused. Mm hmm. Do you like folk, like Spanish people, like folks, folks from Spain have like a contentious relationship with British people? Is that where that is that is that thing? I think so. I mean, I would just assume every like 
everybody has a problem in Europe with England, right? Just by the fact that they were such a colonial power. I mean, sure, but everybody was a competing colonial power. It wasn't like it wasn't like oh, like you. I mean, I'm sure there was some history there, but oh my god! But everybody like owned different <laughs> Asian colonies at some yeah, point. Yeah, true, true. France had Vietnam, Spain had the Philippines, and England had well, everybody else. Yeah, 25% of the land on the planet. Everybody. This is something I feel like I should have learned more about over the course of my education, but no. What exactly do you mean? Should have learned more about what? British? Yeah, world history in general. Oh, sure. You learn about it in passing when it's related to other subjects. Oh, there's one. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, right there. Should we drop oh. a spear on him? No, dude, that's a muskie. What is a muskie? That's the second one I've seen this year. It's uh, another large predator fish. Oh. And we should not kill we the muskies. We should not kill that. Whoa. I'm glad I asked, because yes. I was just about to grab the spear <laughs> and be like, alrighty, here we go. Uh, yeah, good call. Yeah, no, that's pretty cool. Now you've seen that fish. Um, me and Steve saw one out here too. That's crazy. They have like a different pattern, kind of like they have more like mm -hmm. lines on them, kind of instead yeah. of like the spots. And like northerns are really, really dark on the top, and mm -hmm. that you could see that one was kind of like yeah, that one's like kind of modeled or mm -hmm. something. Yeah, that's a nice one though. Yeah. Hmm. Like a real big. I was like, oh, I don't know how how tasty you are, but. <laughs> I can sure dream about it. Absolutely. I can't believe I've never seen this before, but I just saw it the other day. The uh, the thread that's like, what if World War One was a bar fight? Oh, that's a fun one. Yeah, super funny. Like as a history dude, I was just cheesing out. Uh... Oh, that muskie is eyeing the. Oh yeah, he wants that decoy. <laughs> that's cool. Um. <clears throat> I forgot how fun the decoys are to play with. <laughs> Look at this guy. Man, Steven had these ones that his grandpa made, and they were fucking sweet. Cool. I didn't even know you could, like, I mean, I don't know why it didn't, it didn't occur to me that you could make these. Yeah, they were really nice. They're, like, some of the nicer ones I've seen. My dad made a couple somewhere in here. Holy Christ, I can't. Oh, yeah, I got rid of one real fast. Mm -hmm. Or maybe I was just distracted by the, the decoy. <laughs> How much time has passed since I started playing with the decoy, Dave? <laughs> that I cannot answer. It always freaks me out how like slightly thin-looking the ice is right under the hole. Yes. Yes. And it's been... Uh, I mean, it, we've had some really, really cold days, but we've also had like extended periods of warmth mm -hmm. and so like that's kind of been freaking me out lately yeah i was worried about that because like recently down in the twin cities we had quite a warm spell for a while yeah it was, it was like, like 40 degrees for yo, days yeah we got like 30s and maybe we got into the 40s one or two days but yeah it was like super nice and then you know, when, like, a truck drive, that road's pretty close, so when a truck drives by going over past us, like, the ice starts cracking and shit, and it's like, Oof. get a little nervous. Yesterday, I got a little nervous, like, holy fuck. It's like, but I know it's safe. We've been here all winter. I mean, did you see the size of that house that's just to the south of us? That yeah. Trailer? Yeah. That was, like, quite a setup. I didn't know you could park a whole trailer down here like yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. That's not even the biggest one I've seen this year. I looked one up, actually, because I saw one and was like, what the fuck? That's legitimately a mobile home. Like, fucking things have showers. What? Yeah, bathrooms, full stoves. They're basically like RVs, man. It's crazy. Like, fucking $35,000 for a fish house. Oof. Right? This isn't exactly something. I mean, like, I'm not here for sport, exactly. It's... Which is nice to do. And also not have to stare at my desk all day. Sure. 
Yeah, man, are you just on the grind now? Like, how much can you, I mean, can you talk about the book that much? Or? Yeah, I sure can. I don't know that I'm under any kind of, like, non-disclosure agreements because all of the properties that are being made are, like, by me. Right. So literally anything can change if I wanted to. <laughs> so, um, yeah, but it's good. I've been, um, so I'm really behind on the thumbnail process. So I have to write the script, and then I have to draw out all the thumbnails, and then I you know, pencil it and then ink it and hand it into my editors. Um, and of course, like they have to look at all the work through throughout the entire process. And I only got about halfway through the thumbnails before I was like, I got to start inking if we we're going to make that July 1st deadline. So I have to draw two pages a day. And then I still have a bunch of illustration projects on the side. So I have but to you're like freelancing. Yeah. yeah. And so I have to work. Oof. Oh, very long days. It's not bad, though. I have, like, a pretty nice, like, I have a pretty nice setup. I just have to really be on the grind because I'll be traveling a bunch later in the year. So I kind of just want to make sure everything's all done. Right. What are you traveling for? Just for well, fun? Or? Yeah, just for fun. I, hadn't, I haven't traveled for fun in, like, a long time, and I'm, I'm taking my grandmother to Italy. because oh, she's that's right. You know, she's a, she was a former nun, and she's still pretty Catholic, and... Take her to the Vatican. That's awesome. Yeah. And then you said that uh, your partner's family's there. Yeah. Well, some of them. They're not super, super close to the to their Italian family members, but they know of each other and they talk occasionally. So we'll be hitting up Rome and Florence, and then like traveling to smaller towns as we kind of feel like we want to. And we got all the hotels booked and junk already. It, feels i mean it's happening next month so it, Holy it's crazy. coming up wow <laughs> like plan on traveling a lot later in the year it's like fucking next week <laughs> right i'm like oh yeah we got so much time we got it all set up it's next month oh god it's in less than a month now i think no no it's in about a month yeah it'd be great we'll land there on like the 11th Oh, we'll spend Valentine's Day in Italy with my grandmother. Nice. It's going to be so cute. Sounds adorable. So your side work, is it like contract stuff or do you do like commission work or? Um, yeah, I occasionally do commissions. I have to say no more. <laughs> sure. Um, uh, yeah. So I'll have like a, I have a book project with a writer with, um, actually the writer of a uh, Twisted Romance is doing a, a novel. Um, and so I'm doing some spot illustrations for that. Uh, is that the Scottish boy? Yeah, the Scottish boy. Yes. Yeah. By Alex DeCampi. It's super good. <laughs> I can only imagine besides the Scottish boy illustrations, like, is there anything else that you're working on that's big or... Oh my God. Yeah. I got to finish that tarot deck like in a couple weeks, probably <laughs> before I go to Italy for sure. I have to finish that whole the whole thing um i finished writing like the little guide for it and i need to go through because there's like seven there's 78 cards so i have to illustrate them all and then i have to write out what they all mean and then i have to give people a little instructional on like how to read the cards so there's a bunch more writing that i need to do i'm already at my maximum word limit and i'm combing back through the different entries of the different cards and i'm like this all sounds like some like the purplest fortune cookie junk because I'm trying to be succinct but at the same time I can't be too literal about too many mm -hmm. things and so it all comes out very very florid and I'm just like oh my god my editor is gonna think that I have never written anything before in my life but they've been very good about it and I like the process and all of my editors have been very hands-off which I don't know how I don't know if that's my preferred way of working, but it also has not been an unpleasant experience. So it's been good. So you're actually under contract for that? Mm-hmm. Yep. Because I feel like, well, I mean, that's awesome, first of all. Um, but uh, you've been working on that for, like, years, haven't you? Yeah. I mean, I was just dinking around for fun. Like, I had drawn all of majors and then, like, did three of the suits. And I was like, well, maybe I'll see think about shopping this around and then my agent was like well yeah, i can sell that too it's like great thank you kate nice. you're amazing nice 
Because you had one that came out at the end of the year last year? Yeah, it was like just a for fun one because I was so sick of working on the big one that I was like, I want to have one that I could use just for fun. And so I did like a cutesy little series of cartoony ones. That was good. But also like maybe indicative of my work style that like when I was feeling bogged down by one project, I essentially doubled my workload so that I could have fun. Yeah, uh, fun. Uh, <laughs> I, I need to give my life together. Yeah, but it's good. I really, I really enjoy the project, and it seems to be a thing that people are taking to. Yeah, yeah. I mean, all the... Uh illustrations i've seen are badass dude oh thank you for sure hmm. yeah doing the research for the cards was a lot of fun too i had no idea like i didn't know anything about the cards when i started like right out of college and then i like the deeper i dug into it the like less impressive the history is because like it's it's one of those things that like it's really meaningful to a lot of people but historically like, I mean, they were just a set of playing cards, and then they became popular after uh, a, a printing press was able to kind of popularize them a little bit more. And then, uh, I guess, some secret societies decided that they really wanted to... Um, <laughs> they kind of projected a bunch of meanings onto the cards, and they were like, this is, like... This will tell you all the secrets of the universe. Huh. It was, what was it, the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn... Oh, sure, yeah. Yeah. They were... <laughs> they were a funny bunch. That's Alistair Crawley, right? <clears throat> uh, he was a part of that group for a little while, but they kicked him out really dramatically. Like, they had, like, a West Side Story-style showdown <laughs> where, like, he was coming up the steps of the building and then, like, the white magicians were coming down and they, like, physically, like, had to kick him out of the place. Jeez. He was not a good dude. No, I've heard that. <laughs> <laughs> He was, he was, uh, he was an interesting character, that one, just, yeah, he's, he's fun. Um, yeah, but all of the secret societies, well, that one in particular was, like, it came about kind of before the turn of the century when people were starting to become really, um, popularly entranced with the Orientalist East, and there was this, like, Egyptomania that was going on, so they were like, ho-ho, like, all of these, like, Egyptian gods are gonna be our, um, our secret society's focus, and they're gonna tell us the secrets of the universe. It was all very, like, it was essentially just a clubhouse for a bunch of, like, wealthy kids who didn't feel special enough in their Protestant upbringing. What about now? I mean, is it really just that people our age are our age? Does that make sense? So that, like, all these, like, reboots and fucking remake movies and shit are just, like, ripe for the picking because we, like, so desperately want to, like, relive our youth or something? I mean, maybe. But also it feels like a very natural extension of entertainment in general. Like, you know, people put on the same plays, like, for hundreds of years. True. So it doesn't seem strange to me that reboots are, like, a thing. But people being annoyed at them also kind of makes sense because, like, the film industry has only been around for the past century. Right. So that we're getting to a, a stage where, like, remake upon remake upon remake is being, is happening and, like, sh television shows are getting rebooted. Like, this is a, it's still the history of it hasn't been that long and so I think people are just going to become accustomed to it yeah yeah a buddy of mine the other day said you know when are they going to remake Harry Potter <laughs> I was like that's a fucking good question pretty soon you'd think huh I mean maybe I mean also Stephen told me that there's five of those fucking magical fucking beasts movie being made <laughs> oh my god like is that true there's gonna be five i think so oh yeah. my they're fuck. like trying to make it a thing and it's... i didn't even see the first one i saw the first one it was not good it was yeah. terrible yeah steven said the second one was just straight up garbage i mean yeah i mean johnny depp was in it 
And then, so were you into were you into Harry Potter when you were younger? I really liked. Yeah, I did. Like the um, books and shit. I liked the books, but I didn't get all the way through the books. I moved on to other things. Like, sure. I was into. I was really into Sabriel as a kid, so I read all of the Garth Nix books. Okay. Um, I only read, I think, up until, like, book five, and then I was like, I actually don't like any of these characters. <laughs> I was like, yeah. why are you always... Uh, your character arcs, like, they, they have the same dynamic pretty much throughout the entire mm-hmm. thing, and Hermione's always getting them out of scrapes, and Ron's always an idiot, and Harry's always a bigger idiot, and how the hell did you all end up in here? Right. And it was, it was really fun when you were a kid, because, like... The magic was ridiculous. You didn't have to think that hard. It was more about the experience. And then J.K. Rowling would not stop trying to world build. Like, just mm-hmm. let it rest. And then she just kept going. And now I guess she's in... She really likes TERFs. Um, trans-exclusionary radical feminists. And so that's really? been disappointing. Yeah, she doesn't say anything outright. But, like, she keeps liking tweets by people who, like, really hate trans women. And Whoa. it's... Yeah... Also, isn't it just kind of general knowledge that I don't give a shit if I piss off every J.K. Rowling fan, but, like, she's <laughs> kind of a fucking idiot? I mean... Like, no, I mean, no, I guess I'm going to be offensive. Sorry. Like, I'm sorry. Her fucking writing isn't that brilliant. Mm. Oh, but you know what? I think I don't put the onus too much on her. Like, I'm not a huge fan of her writing either. But, sure. like, the um, like the YA category had to be radically redefined because of the Harry Potter books, and they started out as, like, kind of, like, like young readers. Like, you, yeah. you, you know, you're... Uh, before middle school, you, like, kind of start picking them up in grade school, and... That's and then, fair. Yeah, and it really... It kind of really got a whole generation of kids into reading, and so they had to progressively make the older books more mature mm-hmm. as the series progressed. So I kind of feel like, because the series had to grow with the audience in order to maintain its luster, she kind of had to start writing a little bit out of her ken and out of her intention a little bit too. Yeah. And so the first few books like totally cohesive, like makes a lot of sense within the universe. The characters make sense within that context, but then she had to keep writing. And the annoying thing about fandom as we get older is that suddenly our suspension of disbelief, like I feel like adult consumers of media really like things that don't require them to suspend their disbelief very much Mm. and that becomes like a litmus test of how good a thing is it's like how few times is it going to make me suspend my disbelief and it's just like fucking use your imagination like have a little fun um so i don't i feel like she gets a lot of flack for a lot of different things and a lot of the criticism is fair but at the same time i'm like this is because this um market that she essentially created because her books were so successful like it kind of um it changed the way everybody thought about telling stories for this group of readers that's fair yeah that's fair and didn't she like catch a lot of flack for just i mean like like i say like the basic level of writing the whatever but then also like i'm gonna take it to america and of course, natives are witches, you know, like... Oh my god. <sighs> just did, like, zero amount of research and was just like, this this all work. Oh my god. Uh, oh my... There was a Japanese school, too. <laughs> oh no, really? <laughs> yeah. I think it was mentioned in... It was, like, mentioned in passing in that series. It was, it was very bad. Oh, oh my lord. She used to hire some more consultants. Um, right? But also, I mean... <sighs> I'm, I, have, I have some complicated feelings about it. You know what? I don't have complicated feelings about it. I have a lot of different feelings about it because, like, I, in the history of ever, I don't think there has ever been a guy who has gotten this much flack for being, for, like, not knowing everything, right? Sure. And so, yeah, like, the criticism against her work and because she has such a big audience, like, she gets a lot of criticism because she reaches a lot of readers. And so it has a greater perceived impact. It has a greater actual impact, like her writing does, than um, than a lot of others. And so there is a little bit of like, oh, like you have to take responsibility for this and we have to take this very seriously. But also, uh, a lot of male writers get away with the same shit. Or they don't get away with it, but they are never criticized to that extent. And so I have to kind of be mindful of that. Sure. 
Like, oh my god, like fucking, I love Philip Pullman, and I love his dark materials, but every once in a while you go back in and you're like, oh, like, uh, the Egyptians, oh boy. Yeah, yeah. And then, yeah. Like, that one's uh, like pretty thinly veiled. Mm-hmm, very thinly veiled. And, and, and within the context of the story, people will argue, like, at least this group of people, like, are, you know, really heroic and they're, like, consistently portrayed as good and, like, on the side of good and, like, that's fine. But then there's also the issue of, like, uh, the uh, caricatures of indigenous people in the north that happens. And I'm just like, oh, you're definitely a product of your time, aren't you? Mm. Philip Pullman. Yeah. But I continue to enjoy those books. Like, it's definitely one of those ones where I'm like, this is really formative, and I can think about it critically now, but this was definitely one of the um, one of those works of literature that really affected me growing up in really positive ways. Um, but he does, he does kind of, like, his... I'm sure, like, arguments could be made about the distinction between his writing and J.K. Rowling's, and, like, the way that he approaches his work is very different, and... Um, kind of just the storytelling priorities are different. So they're trying to do very different things, kind of, but still working within the same genre and arguably the same age group by now. Um, But he doesn't get quite as much flack for all of that as she does, which I find very interesting. Yeah. Do you think part of that is because, well, I guess maybe it is just she's way more popular, but... Like, he seems to kind of keep to himself, right? Like, he, he writes his books and stuff, but he doesn't go around, like, you know, mm-hmm. right, liking that... weird anti-trans tweets. Or, you know, like... Well, there was a moment where he couldn't figure out what the issue was, and he ha- I think some people finally explained it to him, but okay. there, he's had his moments. I mean, a lot... Not that it excuses it, but a lot of it is just, like, these people are where they are, and that's not the world that they grew up in, and they need... they're adjusting slowly or being reticent it's right did you ever read those books growing up mm-hmm. good. i did yeah like fuck yeah dude those books were awesome yeah and he's actually continued to write some books in that universe now did you ever read the the newest one no Came so out, like... last year we talked about the book of dust and i still haven't read it read okay it. yeah um did i read la belle sauvage last year i don't think so okay I read that one when it came out, and okay. it was also very, very good. I, um, yeah. Because I reread his dark materials, and, like, I do it every couple of years. I'll, like, reread it. And, like, it, uh, the way that I relate to it is different every time I read it. And so I was kind of a little bit worried that his newest novel, like, the prequel, I think, I guess it's going to be a series, but it's, like, a prequel series to, um, Lyra's Adventures. Um,. I was worried that the writing wasn't going to hit me in the same way, but it was very engrossing still. Cool. Yeah, yeah, do it. They're 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 a fun reread. Yeah. Absolutely. Let me know when you do. I will talk with you about them. They're they're super fun. I um yeah. I haven't been reading quite as much. I thought that if I was freelancing, I was going to have a lot of time to like you know, I'm just using my my eyes and my hands, and so I can listen to podcasts, I can listen to audiobooks, I can use my ears, they're unoccupied, and it turns out that I need focused yeah. <laughs> to do all of my work. <laughs> so I can't listen to music, I can't listen to podcasts, I'm falling behind on my books, I can't consume anything. I'm just like, ugh, whatever. Yeah, I... Yeah. I have to, like, I've spent a lot of time, like, having conversations about like how fan culture affects works and people's experiences of them and how like and where all of these like unrepentantly enormous and incredibly um as agitated feelings come from um in terms of all of that so i have to so i have to check myself and be very careful about like not getting mad at like other people's enjoyment of a thing that I might not necessarily like. And like there's, you know, certainly critiques to be had about like, you know, how are we using violence and rape within a piece of fiction and that continues to be an ongoing conversation, but I don't I don't really like I don't really get all like mad and confused about it anymore, which is such a liberating place to be. Sure. Yeah, like I say, I just like 
struggle with it. Because most of the time, it's not even fucking necessary. Yeah, it really isn't most of the time. And I think the way that something exists in our popular imagination as, like, a motivation for something else is so strange. We kind of, like, it comes from a place of, like, trying to, I think make sense of where we would like to position ourselves in terms of this and so like there were a lot of like rape revenge fantasies and like that's a whole different thing and then there's like rape rescue fantasies that like men ascribe to occasionally and it's all very like oh you're trying to position it this way but you're all also ignoring that this is a real thing that happens to real people and it does really terrible things to them so why are we um, continuing to treat it as, you know, as fodder when it's really a thing that we should be addressing more in real life? Yeah. Yeah. But I still love it when people enjoy things (laughs) unrepentantly um, that I don't. Yeah. I think when I started writing and like making stories on my own i kind of had to like you know people take criticism very very seriously sometimes Mm -hmm. and at a certain point i'm just like i don't know i realized that i step into a bookstore and there's so much there and then you go to a library and it's just like you can't read all of these books you're not meant to so not everything has to be for everyone and you can put it out there and if somebody really doesn't like it well then it's not for them and it's kind of their problem to move on and find things that might be for them so if i can think about things that way in terms of my work and just not really care if people like it or not like the people who like it will find it and the people who won't will move on and hopefully find other things that they enjoy it kind of makes me a little bit more um like i I just care less about um whether or not i i enjoy a thing which is which is really nice i think there's like um i don't know we we talk about it a lot with uh, the star wars fandom because there are a lot of expectations with it and people become very agitated and very angry when it doesn't live up to their particular expectations of fantasies of power and also like the nostalgia factor and like where people think that that is meant to be and how toxic that fan environment can get really 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 quickly despite the best intentions of the creators and all of the people who are working really hard to make it a thing that a lot of people will enjoy and then you realize that it's because like people don't want to be enjoying another thing you know like it's star wars it's like a cultural touchstone people want to be a part of that conversation and if they happen to not enjoy being a part of that conversation they're gonna be really angry about it because they think they have no alternatives there are no other space adventures (laughs) at all ever this is it this is everything (laughs) so instead of finding other other avenues to uh you know to indulge in whatever their particular fantasies are they're just like oh like star wars is simply doing it wrong and it's a it's such a strange mentality to have but i can also kind of understand it it's sort of like the harry potter thing where we're like we really want it to be right when we could just find other properties yeah fucking star wars like what the <laughs> fuck happened there like oh my God. i remember when it was just like a fucking like bitch about jar jar and ewoks festival and wasn't like, it I mean, oh the fucking prequels suck and like oh i thought they were kind of good and now it's like god all fucking mighty like, was it i don't know anything about i know very very little about star wars I had never seen Star Wars before college, and by the time I was in college, I had convinced myself that I had already seen it, because the cultural references to it were so ubiquitous, yep. and so <laughs> I realized that I hadn't actually seen any of the movies before, and my roommate, who was a huge fan of the series, was like sat me down and was like, okay, we're going to watch, we're going to watch all of the Star Wars, we're going to start with them. And we're gonna watch them in the order that they came out in theaters, right? And so, like, we did, all, and then he like apologized for the the CGI in one that was not there before. And I was like, I don't know, this is the first time I have no context for this. I will sure. not be angry about this. Yep. And then, uh, and it came off as like a B movie <laughs> to me. Like, yeah. is it was it supposed to be like a big budget thing? No. Okay, yeah, it's a B movie. <laughs> like, it's not pretty like, much. Yeah. Yeah. 
it came out around the same time as uh, another like space like they tried to get another like space fantasy off the ground but star wars just kind of happened to be the one that everybody latched onto. yeah i mean like when i was again like i was talking about this with a friend of mine out here <clears throat> last week about how i just like missed the boat on like <laughs> the toxic fandom or like the the like I mean, it makes sense that within any subset of society, you have shitheads, right? Like, right, yeah. In Star Wars fans, there's racists, there's men, there's women, there's Republicans, there's Democrats, you know, right? Like, there's everybody. Um, and I just was in this... So maybe I'm totally wrong with this, but when I was growing up, like I say, the argument was just basically over stupid shit in the movies and how bad the prequels were. <laughs> yes. Um... And, like, I, I asked my buddy, I was like, dude, was I just, like, living in a closet and, like, just didn't notice how, like, terribly, like, bigoted nerds are? <laughs> and he was like, yeah, yeah, you missed the fucking boat, dude. Like, you, what are you, what are you fucking kidding me? And I was like, well, dude, all the fucking nerds that I knew and hung out with were, like, really liberal people. Like, so really I just, chill, yeah. So I just thought that, like... Most people that got dug Star Wars were like, you know, D and D nerds that wanted to like, you know, hang out and get stoned or you know, like yeah. I don't know, like the shit that I did. You know, none of my friends were like. I mean, even if they were maybe politically conservative, none of them were like spewing hate against blacks and women. You know, like yeah. I never encountered. Not that you encounter that readily everywhere, and maybe it was like my late coming to the internet. I don't know. But, like, I never saw that part of it. So then when that all, like, came huge, especially in the Star Wars, but in other shit, too, like, oh, there's a female doctor, and now I can't watch Doctor Who anymore. Like, you're ruining my life, right? Like, what the fuck are you talking about? You... <laughs> it's like, find other things. Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, so I was, like, totally surprised by that. So maybe I, like, just was missing that part of the discussion the whole time. But yeah, when that you know, exploded. Like, what is there a black stormtrooper for? It's like, whoa. Mm -hmm. I would... I was just kind of taken aback by it. And, like, obviously that's, you know, me being ignorant, I guess, but... Well, I mean, it also might... You're, you're also less online than I am. Sure. Which is to your benefit. Yeah. <laughs> that this surprises you at all. Like, it, it didn't really surprise me because I'd seen it happen before with other properties. And I was like, oh, yes, the discourse, the capital D discourse is going on again. And so they're... I don't know. I, I kind of, like, have a sort of almost a bit of a cavalier attitude about it. Like, I don't want to be dismissive of it, and it's it's certainly a thing that I care about. But at the same time, like, I keep having to remind myself that this is all fake, mm. and it's all fiction, and we get super riled up about fiction in ways that, like, like of course I think fiction is important, and of course I think that it, it matters, and these things do matter in a really... Um, in important and particular ways, but also, like, these are made-up people that you have all of these feelings about. Like, you could you could knit a scarf. You could... Right. Like, you could do... You could read more books. You could find other things. Like, you could, but no, you're just going to blog about how... I don't know. I think, I think people are getting to a point where they're starting to realize that maybe, maybe therapy and, like, not <laughs> continuing to participate in the fan forums... Is uh is is maybe a thing that might behoove them. Yeah. And like, I, maybe I'm just too old to give a shit anymore. But I mean, I can go on and on about my, how disappointed I was in, you know, certain things that I'm a fan of, right? But mm -hmm. it's like, do I really need to like take that out into the world and like? get really angry and, like, tell everybody else that, like, they're wrong because, like, this one thing, you know, Tom Bombadil's not in the fucking movies. Peter Jackson can <laughs> eat a dick. Like, maybe um, when I was, like, 13, you know, mm -hmm. but even then I was like, well, I understand it doesn't work with the flow of the film. Mm -hmm. I don't need Tom Bombadil. I don't know why everyone's so fucking here. I'm going to piss, and here's another group I'll piss off, Tom Bombadil fans. Fuck you. Never understood why everyone was so high on that guy anyways. 
Well, he saves the fellowship twice before they ever even make it to Bree. All right, fine. Did you ever see the documentary, ser- like the YouTube documentary series by Lindsay Ellis about the Lord of the Rings films? No. I will send you a link. Lindsay Ellis's video essays are fantastic, okay. and I will send them to you. Okay. I like support her on Patreon. She's great. Cool. Um, yeah, I'll send you a link to those. They're really, really amazing. Um, particularly, like she does, I think, all of the Lord of the Rings, but she also takes you through why the hobbit films were such a mess from a production standpoint and that is beautifully done i'll i have to send it to you okay cool do you ever (laughs) speaking of star wars and fandoms do you do you ever have moments where you think about all of the points in your life and in your interaction with media where you could have potentially have been red-pilled and your ideological <laughs> trajectory would have gone in a totally different direction? Uh, <laughs> Do you ever think about that? Me? Not so much, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I do it all the time because I feel like, oh my God, recently, so Alice Walker, you know Alice Walker? That sounds super familiar. Oh my gosh, what did she write? It's on, it's on the tip of my tongue. I'm just going to look it up. Anyway, Alice Walker... Um, important um, black woman author. Uh, she wrote. The color purple. Yes, she wrote the color purple. Um, like very, very important to a lot of people. Yeah, absolutely. And recently, she. Uh, oh my God, she su- she supported a book. I think she recommended a book by like a conspiracy theorist and like notorious horrible anti-Semite. Okay. And it was a big thing. And then I think people started to realize that, like, this is... She's like an old person who got red-pilled on the internet. Not that it excuses... Like, I'm not making excuses for it. Like, it's awful, awful, awful that she would espouse that kind of anti-Semitism. But at the same time, it was like, there... I'm sure... Like, it, ma- it got me thinking about, like, how maybe encountering different things would make me think about... Th- uh, the world in ways that like I would find abhorrent now. Mm. I'm just like, oh man, I bet that probably happens a lot more easily than I think. Interesting. Yeah, I guess I can kind of see what you're saying. Yeah. Uh, no, I just, I think about it all the time, particularly, I mean, because like, I'm a queer person of color, and like, and so I think about all of the times where I have had to like, you know, kind of outright deny certain parts of myself in order to, like, be safe in the space. So, and then, like, think about all the times where, like, I, like, um, like, growing up where I was really misogynistic because I, you know, was like, oh, well, this is a, like, this is a point of reference that will help me relate to, like, my male peers is to, like, be a piece of shit about women. And so, like, you kind of, like, you know, you examine it and you grow out of it and, and that, you know, it's a hard process and you kind of have to unlearn a lot of things. But I always think about how easy it is to not think about those things and never have unlearned any of that. And I'm just like, wow, my life could be so different. Yeah, yeah. Uh... You're the only one in America under the age of 70 that has a phone like this now. This is a beautiful little clunker. Oh my god. See, like, okay, when's the last time you tried to send a text message, but your phone was also receiving a text message at the same time, and it gave you an error message? Oh my god. Look at this. Is that why I don't... Oh my god. (laughs) I remember that screen. (laughs) That's beautiful. Yup. Also explains why you text me so little. Yeah. It's like, okay, yeah, you're right. I should just, I'll just Facebook message you or I'll tweet at you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that when you can get to your computer, you will have the full effect of the message that I wanted to send to you. Yep. <laughs> there needs to be like a mismanners for Twitter. Mm. Like, you know, don't quote tweet someone in this particular way. Don't, like, snitch tweet at somebody else. Just, uh, there's weird little etiquette things that change from platform to platform. Yeah, right? And, like, I don't even know. I just, fuck, I do my thing. Yeah. Um, which is, like, inconsequential for, like, the, you know, six people that pay attention to what I have to say on the internet. But, like... <laughs> Uh, I suppose it gets vastly more complicated the more people pay attention to what you say, but 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you seem to stay uh, above the fray most of the time, though. Um, I had to make a really conscious decision to do that over the past couple of years. Um, because it was starting to affect my mental health in ways that were really terrible. And so I realized that, like, after a certain point, people will kind of say anything to you. And I kind of had to learn, like, I don't think that it should be on the onus of the people who are receiving the bile to not take it personally. But for me, I'm like, it's a thing that works for me. Um, And so, like, I have to consider all of the reasons why an internet rando might like hurl abuse at me for some reason um and because i'm not a woman on the internet uh there's a certain amount of safety that i have like people will try will not will tend not to try to like like if i say something that is potentially a little bit contentious about star wars for example like nobody's going to try to come after me and get me fired from my job and try to like you know put my address on the internet and dox me like it doesn't tend to happen to male creators in the same way so there's a certain level of safety that I can have. So like this method is a thing that I can take on, but I can't really advise other people to do it. Um, so most of the time when people are being mean to me on the internet for no reason, like strangers, it's usually because they're trying to work through some things and they're having a really bad day. Mm. And bad brain days happen a lot. And instead of like seeking access to mental health resources, because that's not accessible to everyone anymore, because God, healthcare sucks in the U.S. But um, they'll like kind of tweet without thinking about it and so they haven't processed whatever they're working through and I just happen to be the thing that they can react to in the moment and so it's usually people trying to work through some things that have nothing to do with me I once pointed it out to someone I was like are you having a bad day and they were like yeah I'm sorry and it was and that was that and I was like oh okay yeah this is this is probably a thing that happens there's a lot of discussion about, you know, the anonymity that people have on the internet and, like, how that makes them behave in ways that are, you know, a little sociopathic. And it's... And I don't know that that's the whole story either. I think, I don't know, trying to come at it in a way that is compassionate is sort of difficult, but also in the long run really makes me a calmer person. Yeah. But yeah, people are weird and will say anything to you. Yeah. So I was talking to my buddy last night about this. How do you feel? And fucking Christmas music, right? How do you feel about that? Uh, or do you know the weird, like, Canadian 12 Days of Christmas thing? No, what? It's, 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 it's like, it's, it's less of a song and more of, like, a comedy bit. Uh-huh. About, like... And it's just, like, these two guys talking about, like, what are the 12 days, whatever. But then they start singing the song, and it's, like, on the first day of Christmas, my true love gave to me beer. <laughs> I don't think and I've ever it's seen like, that. It goes on and on. But then, like, they can't do, like, over eight. Mm-hmm. So it just becomes, like, this fucking weirdo shit show. And, like, <laughs> oh, my goodness, dude. That shit's so funny. How have you not? Wow. I mean... It's funny to me, I guess, because, like, I remember hearing it when I was a kid. It's sort of, like, one of those, like, weird things, like the 30-point fuck song. But, no, you should look that shit up. I will look it up. Uh, also, my life changed when I learned about the Italian Christmas donkey. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's Dominic the donkey. I know. Oh, God. People, oh, my God. Christmas music is... People get real mad about it. <clears throat> yep. And, like, I don't know. I always think about it as this entirely secular, like, super capitalistic thing for my enjoyment and my consumption because that's what it's for. And then, like, do you remember in the 90s when people got really angry about, like, Happy Holidays versus Merry Christmas, right? I mean, aren't they still really mad they about are, that? They are, but for different reasons. Oh. Because I think, like, now there's, like, this, like, war on Christmas thing, and, like, we, you know, we need to uphold Christmas because it's, like, a Christian thing, whereas, like, when I was growing up, it was, like, the, like, you know, capitalist Christmas is ruining Christmas because it's not about, like, giving, it's all about, like, you know, buying stuff, and it's all about materials, and so it was, like, a different, very different angle on, like, what I thought the war, like, when, when I heard the, the term of the war on Christmas recently, I thought it was about that, where it was like, oh, 
you know like we're trying to like reinvigorate the spirit of christmas and now it's just like oh no actually there's a bunch of xenophobic like white supremacists who think everybody should be christian and that should be our like national yep <laughs> religion i'm like oh boy do you listen to a lot of christmas music when it comes around like during the holidays um no i wouldn't say a lot i would say that like we have a pretty standard rotation if mm. you will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, like, the classics, for sure. Like, I'm into the sort of, like, the jazz crooner mm-hmm. story of Christmas music. Okay, so you're into, like, that Bing Crosby, like, mid Yeah, kind of, sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> or even, you know, I guess modern versions of those same types of people, yeah. you know, or whatever, like... The mid-century, like, Christmas as pop song thing is such a strange phenomenon to me, but it, it makes a lot of sense. Because it was like, like White Christmas is the highest selling song of all time. Is it really? I'm pretty sure it's White Christmas. Wow. And it like, like every once in a while, like another one comes up. Like I can't wait for Mariah Carey's Christmas song to overtake White Christmas because <laughs> Bing Crosby is a piece of shit. Yeah, like, right. <laughs> <clears throat> but like that was the thing that was like, and it was, it was such a confluence of events too, because it was like, um, it was during wartime. And so it was. So it was played a lot for like the troops, and they would request it a lot, and they would buy it a lot on like the jukeboxes. And, like, oh, okay. And so it was very, very popular at the time, and it continues to be. And it sort of like kind of set the stage for like mid-century nostalgia. It was also like, for some re- like people are nostalgic. Like, well, mm, white people are nostalgic for the '40s and '50s, mm. in like a in like an aesthetic way. Like, oh, like we love our vintage, whatever. But like wartime was fucking terrible for everybody but it was one of those um yeah like white christmas kind of came out of that environment out of that time and uh kind of fulfilled this need for things that like would remind soldiers of what they were fighting for i think was like kind of the the onus for that are you into just fucking christmas and all of it or oh yeah i love all of it okay. i like the sh- the schmaltziest kitschiest like give me everything like give me rudolph the red-nosed reindeer give me all of the rankin bass stop motion animation give me all of the weird like 70s like trippy two-dimensional animation that that studio got into later on in their career that was really terrible cricket on the hearth that shit is amazing it's terrible but it's 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 so much fun I uh, I don't know why I'm so attached to, like, nostalgic um, kind of mid-century to late 60s uh, Christmas kitsch. Hmm. But it's so fun. It's good. Do you get super into Christmas movies or just the music so much? It depends on the movie. Yeah. Like, I think... Um, like, I do a lot of, like, obligation Christmas stuff. Like, every year I will watch White Christmas and The Polar Express, which is <laughs> terrible. It's, I mean, it's 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 fun, but it's terrifying. Um, and uh, I have, like, a collection of, like, the Rankin-Bass Christmas cartoons, and we'll go through and watch all of that. And actually, when I turned on the radio in my car, because my partner has been using my car, and, you know, we never, you know, listen to, like, I don't really use the radio. I, like, play music on, like, my iTunes or whatever. Right. But I will still listen to Christmas music on the radio during the Christmas season. I'm just a corny motherfucker for Christmas. That's fair. Yeah, I don't know why I've attached myself to that holiday so much. Yeah, you too? Yeah, since I've become an adult, for sure. I mean, because it wasn't... Like, I remember some Christmases from when I was a kid. I don't remember a lot from when I was a kid, but, like, you know, really young. But it was never, like, a big thing, you know? Like, put the tree up and, you know, all that nonsense. So I don't know why, like, later I was like, oh, yeah, I fucking love Christmas, you know? I don't know. Like, maybe it's just, like, starting a life with someone and you're like, oh, you know, people do this. You know, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Um but yeah, I got like way into it. I mean, I mean, you saw our fucking tree. I saw it yeah. taking it down. Um, and like, I own a fair amount of Christmas movies and try to seek out the other ones that I don't that are like you know classics or whatever and like watch them. And yeah, I mean, I I like to well for whatever reason I like to decorate and shit. You know, put mm-hmm. lights up. I didn't put lights up this year, but yeah, I don't really have time to do that this year either. But you know, we had like a little tree and we got all our families together. 
Yeah, it's pretty cool. Maybe it's the time of year, too, because it's like, you know, it's getting cold. Particularly, you know, we're in Minnesota. Yeah. And so it gets cold, and we want to get all cozy, and, like, everything becomes super sentimental, because, like, we're too tired to, like, do anything particularly vigorous, but we want to, we sure want to decorate shit. That's a good point. That's definitely part of it, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Like, get the fire going, and... Yeah. Cozy up on the couch next to the Christmas tree, and... Yeah. Uh, my pet theory about you and Christmas has always been that you look a little bit like a Rankin Bass character. Yeah. Like, more than one. More than one. <laughs> like, it's not just, like, yes, you look a little bit like Yukon Cornelius, but also a little bit like Santa Claus from Santa Claus is Coming to Town before okay. he goes full white beard. Okay. Because he's, like, got a red beard for, like, years, and then... That's fair. And then he becomes, like, full Silver Daddy Santa. Silver Daddy <laughs> <laughs> Me and Steve were having a conversation about somebody being daddy, and Erica didn't quite understand. Oh. And so, like, we were, we were talking about it or whatever, and I said, I was like, I was like, do you know how fucking happy I'd be if someone called me daddy? And Erica, I think that's what it was, I said that. And, and, and Erica was like, no, that's creepy and weird, no, like, what are you talking about? And I was like, no, 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 not like that, not like that. Like, if someone was like, oh, man, Casey's fucking daddy AF, I would be so fucking happy. That'd be, like, the best compliment I could ever fucking get. Goals. Uh, Honestly. Just capital D daddy goals. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> uh, yeah. You, you gotta be the daddy you want to see in the world. <laughs> uh... uh <laughs> I think I can shoot for Silver Santa. That, that'll work. Yes, someday. Because you're still in your 20s. Not for long. Not for long. <clears throat> but yeah, no, yeah, eventually maybe we'll get there. We'll give it a couple decades. Look at that perch. Yeah. Sometimes I try to hit him with the decoy. <laughs> Never really works. No. It's weird how sometimes, like, you're moving that thing around and they swim through like that, like, they don't even care. And other times they'll swim in and you'll move it and they, like, run away. Like, they get really scared. It's like, I don't, I mean, I, if I understood fish, maybe I'd be better at this, but. Yeah, he just fucking cruised through. Yeah. That was just like, doot, doot. No danger here. Right. I want there to be danger. <laughs> I want it to be like that scene in Sword in the Stone. Oh my god. I forgot that was a pike. Yeah. It's like, ah, yes, I have I've eaten you before. It's such a good movie. Oh my goodness. Man, me and my brother used to watch that movie and just like cry laughing. Like, I, Yes. Oh man. I don't think I've ever, I mean, in my entire life I've probably laughed at that movie more than anything else. Like. Oh my goodness. Like, just like, and as a kid, that's like, I mean, I still laugh at it now, but as a kid, like, it was just like so fucking brilliant. Like, the whole wolf setup thing. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Yeah. Disney was super, the animators were really good at that. And actually, I think that movie in particular kind of like, it really gives away Disney's roots in kind of wartime educational and propaganda films like it's kind of got that like educational bent to it mm. a little bit mm. and like disney used to put on a lot of shorts like they were commissioned a lot of animated shorts by the u.s government like to sell war bonds and like okay, to sure. convince people to pay taxes to help the war effort like your income taxes and like just some am they did some amazing <laughs> shit <laughs> oh my god and the cartoon of like Donald Duck dreaming he was a Nazi and like what reaffirming his have you never seen that no oh, there's sort of an infamous cartoon during the time where Donald Duck has a terror has like his dream where he is like a like Heil Hitlering like full-fledged Nazi and I think at the very end of it he like wakes up and he reflexively does the like Heil Hitler salute thing and then, like, he, like, catches himself, and he's like, no, no, I'm an American. And then, like, he probably does something schmaltzy with a Statue of Liberty replica or whatever. 
Holy shit. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wonder if I can look it up. <clears throat> that is the most bizarre thing I've heard this week. Well, Disney's been around for a long time. They've been through many different financial situations, and they have had to make ends meet at some point, and government contracts was one of those ways. That's fair. Hitler, Donald. Yeah, it's called uh, Der Führer's Face. Yep, 1943. It's an, it's an animated anti-Nazi propaganda short film um, passing through the Donald Duck House, which features, like, there's a depiction of Adolf Hitler. Like, so it's like an anti-Nazi thing, but, like, Donald Duck dreams that he's a Nazi. Whoa, dude. Yeah, here's a screenshot. Yeesh. Yeah. <clears throat> is, that him, is that him working at a munitions factory as I well? I believe so, yeah. I don't know. And people were treating it like, oh my god. They were, they were treating it like, you know, this is a thing that, like, is happening right now. And it's like, yeah, maybe look up this, the context for it a little bit. It's still bad, but... Right. Oof. Is this, like, greener than it was last year? It might just be where we are. Maybe, yeah. A little bit more in the weeds this year. For some reason, anticipating the weird, like, water sounds as we drive over the ice, like, really calmed me down this year. Last year, it freaked me out. I was like, <laughs> we are going under at any moment. <laughs> and I was like, ooh, I can feel the water. We'll have to leave it there for today. But come on back next week, where we continue talking about creating art and other fun stuff, like cartoons and high fantasy. Or maybe that's the week after. Oh, well. We definitely talk about Star Wars tune in to find out and maybe we change our luck as readily as we change the decoy as always thanks for listening tell your friends give us a like and a share follow along on facebook and twitter i'm kct and this is going up north all right